Well, we begin this brand new series, The Bless Life, and it's based out of the book by Pastor Robert Morris. We have over 500 copies of this book available free of charge outside for you. And this is a series that as a church, we do every usually 18 months to 24 months, we'll do this series. It was actually the very first series I taught here when I became the pastor of this church. And the reason we do this series so often is because there's nothing I've ever taught as a pastor of this church where more people on a regular basis, at least one person or or, or two or three a week, will come to me and say, thank you for that series. Thank you for the book. It changed my life. It changed my life in so many different ways. I can't even begin uh, to to make a list of how this has impacted my life. It it really is a life-changing series. And so I encourage you, if you have not read a copy of this book yet, pick up one today. Here's Here's the deal. They're free because you've already paid for them. We took all the money you gave last week and went out and bought 500 books to invest back into you something that will absolutely change your life. And so you might as well use what you've already paid for because they're your books. And so, and honestly, everyone that's read this book has come to me and said, thank you. It, it really, you know, it, it, it changed my, my mentality, my view set. It's made a difference in so many areas of my life. It's a short book. It's very, very easy to read. This book has sold millions of copies. It's translated in 30 different languages. Uh, Pastor Robert has been a great friend and kind of coach and mentor to me uh, with the church here. I'm actually flying out this afternoon to spend a couple days with him in Dallas. Uh, he's training a number of pastors. And so we're going to go be with him for that this week. Uh, He's taught at the Bible college I go to, written books that we use as textbooks in our Bible college. Here's the thing about this book. This is the most successful book he's ever written. He made a decision because it was the first book he wrote that he'll never receive one penny of profit from this book. From day one, he gave all of the profits, all of the royalties of this book away. So the 500 books we just bought, he doesn't get one penny for any of those books personally. He gave all of it to the church. And it's been the most successful book he's ever written because he believes in this message so much to change the lives of people. So as we begin this series and go through the next couple weeks on The Blessed Life, I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of the book and read it as we go through this series. It's easy. It's fun. I cried half of the book. I mean, it's, it really is a very moving book and, and a powerful book to understand. So encourage you to pick that up. Let's jump into the message today. And again, let me make it clear. It's the blessed life, not the blessed pocketbook. This is not a how to get rich quick program. This is not that at all. We'll actually deal with that in a few moments. I want to begin today by showing you two parallel passages in Matthew and Luke. It's the same story, and I want to show it to you in each version. First, Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to look at two verses, verses 1 and 2, and particularly two phrases. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So let me ask a question about these two verses here. Is the word money anywhere in these two verses? No, not at all. It's not the context. The context of these verses is judging. Do not judge others or you will be judged. That's the context. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching us all about the heart. So what I want you to do for a moment is I want you to commit to short-term memory 
the first phrase and the last phrase so that when I show you this in a parallel passage, you'll understand this is the same message. So, so say this with me quickly. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Now the last phrase, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now let me show you in Luke chapter 6, the same message, but he includes a verse that Matthew leaves out that is very important for us. First off, here's the first phrase of verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Here's the last phrase of verse 38, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So will you agree this is the same message? Yes, same message. Now I want to show you one verse that you've heard many times, but the problem is for many of us, we've heard this verse taken completely out of context and we oftentimes have taken it completely out of context. Here's verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Now here's the verse that many of you have heard, verse 38, but I wanna help you understand the context of it today. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. The end of 38, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this may shock some of you who grew up in the church, but the word money is not mentioned at all in those two verses. But the problem is, most of the time we hear Luke chapter 6, verse 38 taught, we automatically assume money. Give, and it'll be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We think money. In fact, most of the time we hear the word give, we think money. I was thinking about it this week. How often do I as a pastor teach on giving in our church? You know, some people would say, you know, every year, every other year. The truth is I teach on giving every single week in our church. I can't teach anything without teaching on giving. Like, I can't teach you about grace without teaching you about giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. Like, I can't teach on marriage without teaching on giving. You can't have a healthy marriage if, if the husband and wife don't regularly give to one another time, energy, focus, attention. So giving is all throughout every single message we ever talk about here. The problem is we assume giving with money, and giving is, is much, much larger than just money. Giving is actually a heart issue. And so the title of today's message is it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. And here's what Jesus said about it. Your treasure is connected to your heart. He says, For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There, there, there's a string between our heart and our checkbook or our heart and our bank account. Wherever our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And I know what people think. Pe people, they often have this thought, all the church wants is my money. No, no, God is who wants your money. Not the church. It's God that wants your money. And the reason God wants your money is because God wants your heart. And your heart is connected to your money. Jesus is the one that said it. If God ever gets our bank account, God gets our heart. I mean, I, I can prove it to you. How many of you grew up in a traditional church where they passed those, you know, those round saucer plate looking things down the aisle and everybody had to give money? Remember those things? 
aren't you glad we don't do that? I mean, it's like, you know, those things always bothered me because it was like the pressure and the guilt. And, 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 I, and I can show you that, that there, there's literally a string attached from your heart to your wallet. Go to one of those churches sometime and watch when those plates are passed. When people go to, to grab their wallet, it's, they get heartburn at the same time. It's like, it's like there's this string that tugs at their heart when they reach for their wallet. I mean, it's, it, it's true. Our heart is connected to our money. Think about it this way. If you buy or you, or you put money into a stock that you've never had before, it could be a stock that you've never cared about. Soon as you put money into that stock, what begins to happen? Well, two or three times a day, you'll go onto the internet and see how that stock is doing. Why? Your heart gets very interested in it. Why? Because your money is in it. Like you never cared about that stock before until you put money into it. Because Jesus said our heart is connected to our money. Now, I want to explain the context of what, what Jesus is saying here, because again, it, it's, it's so often taken out of context. The context of the two passages we looked at is judging. It's judging. Jesus is saying, don't judge. Don't condemn. You need to forgive. And here's the thing. If you judge others, give judgment, and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, will people judge you. For with the measure you judge other people, you will be judged. That's the context. Now, we know that we can apply this to anything in life because of the law of sowing and reaping. Whenever you give something, good or bad, you will get more of it back. Think about it like this. You plant one apple seed, you don't get one apple seed back, do you? No, you get a tree. And the tree produces many apples, and the apples produce many seeds. So whatever you give of, you're going to get more of it back. I was helping my son with school the other day. We were, we were kind of in the little office at home and, and working on some school lessons, and he wasn't paying attention. He wasn't listening, and I was getting a little frustrated, and I corrected him on something. And then all of a sudden, he just unloaded on me, yelling at me. And I'm like, dude, we don't yell. I mean, that's like... Where did that come from? And he's like yelling at me, you know, oh, oh, and he's, he's, a, he's a good kid. So it wasn't like him. And I'm thinking about it, like, why is he yelling at me? And then a couple days later, we were driving down the road in the car, and he was in the back seat, and he wasn't listening. He was doing something he wasn't supposed to do, and I was trying to tell him not to, and he wasn't listening. And so I finally lost it, and I looked at him and said, what are you doing? Stop it. And then all of a sudden, I realized why he's yelling at me. <laughs> Give, and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will yelling come back? So I've had to work on my parenting since and figure I've got to develop a different strategy. Well, what Jesus is doing is he's dealing with issues of the heart. Now I want you to see how God deals with the very same issue of the heart. How do we, how do we become generous? I'm going to show you four things today out of Deuteronomy chapter 15. And we're going to look at how God deals with the issues of the heart. Deuteronomy 15, verse 7, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, I, I want to point out that it was God that gave it to him. I mean, you have to understand, God is who gave you everything you have. It's, it's the Lord who, who gave it to you in the first place. You shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand. Again, it's the same thing of what Jesus just told us. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. God is saying your heart and your hand are connected. In this context, the hand meaning your possessions, your stuff, your resources, your money. He's saying you should not harden your heart by shutting 
your hand by, by not being generous from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly. This word willingly means it's a condition of our heart. Willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. God is instructing us to be generous here. He is a generous God, and he is asking us to be generous. I'm going to give you four things to help you work on your generosity, because the goal is to be like Christ, isn't it? Like we want to, we are children of God, and we want to look like the Father. And the Father is very, very generous, and he wants his kids to look like him. So let me give you four things to work on it. First is you got to deal with the selfish heart. All of us are born selfish, we're, we're born that way. It's the sin nature we're born with. Look at the very next verse, verse 9. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. A wicked thought in your heart. Saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it become sin among you. God says selfishness is wickedness, and it leads to sin in our life. You have the wicked thought in your heart, and, and, you, and you don't give to your brother in need. That is wickedness, and that is sin. Now, let me explain the context of this. God implemented an economic system in Israel at this time where every seventh year, all debts were canceled. All loans were forgiven every seven years. So whether you had a mortgage or car payments or credit card debt, every seventh year it was wiped out and everyone in the land became debt free. How many of you would love to re-implement that system in America today? God knows about finances. Like God, God does a really good job when it comes to finances. And everyone became debt free every seven years. And so what the verse is telling us is don't, don't harden your heart. Don't be wicked. Don't be selfish when your brother comes to you and you're thinking to yourself, wait a second, it's almost the seventh year. So imagine somebody comes to you and it's six months away until the seventh year, six months away. And they ask you for help. They ask you for a loan. And you think to yourself, I don't want to loan him the money right now because he only has six months to pay me back. And if he doesn't pay me back in six months, it's forgiven. I lose it all. And God's saying that's wicked to think that way. That's selfishness. Don't let that selfish root get into your heart. Don't think that way. Be a giver. Think about it like this. God never asked us to pay him back. Look what God gave to us. Never once did God ask us to pay for it or pay it back. And then here's a thought for you. Why do you think God invented giving in the first place? Because God created the concept of giving. Why do you think God invented giving in the first place? I've heard people say, well, you know, God needs us to give to provide for his work. God needs us to give to provide for his work. Think about that for a moment. Do you really believe, like, do you honestly believe God needs your money to provide for his work? Do you honestly believe God is sitting in heaven right now, figuring out how in the world they're going to pay their light bill? And he needs your money to figure it out. I mean, do you think God is paving the streets of gold right now and they're just having a shortage of gold in heaven and they're, they're laying off angels and, and, and he needs gold so he can finish heaven? 
<laughs> it reminds me of a joke, you know, I, I heard where there was a guy who was very wealthy. He just made a lot of money. He did incredibly well for himself. And he didn't want to die because he didn't want to leave all of his money behind. Like he worked so hard for it. He wanted to take it with him. So he decided to make a deal with God. And God, you know, he didn't want to set the precedence, but, you know, this guy was persistent. So God said, fine, if, if you have to bring your money with you, go ahead and bring your money with you. We'll, we'll let you bring your money with you to heaven. So the guy took all of his money and converted it into gold, like gold bullion, gold coins. And he just had, you know, two suitcases filled with gold so that when he died, he could bring all of his wealth with him. And he died and he had his suitcases and he's on his way to heaven, and he gets to the gate of heaven, and St. Peter is at the gate. And Peter looks at the guy and says, sir, you can't bring your luggage in here. Like, like, no baggage allowed. You've got to leave that on earth. He's like, no, 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 I made a deal with God. It's okay. I can, I can bring you know, my, my baggage with me. I made an arrangement with God. So Peter calls the main office, and he talks to God, and <laughs> God's like, yeah, this guy really wanted to bring his stuff. He didn't want to you know, let it go, so he brought it with him. And so let him in. So Peter's like, all right, sir, you can come in. But before you come in, I just, I, you got to open up your suitcase. I just got to know what could be so valuable that you, you had to bring it to heaven with you. And so the guy proudly opens up his suitcase and there's all of his gold. And Peter looks at it and he thinks, you brought pavement to heaven? Kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? <laughs> See, here, here, here's the thing. Giving is not for God's sake. That's what many of us miss. Giving is not for God's sake. It's for our sake. Giving deals with the selfishness and the greed in our lives. And here's the thing about greed. Greed is the only sin you don't know you have. Jesus said greed blinds you to of it. Like you can't see it when you struggle with greed. It's the only sin you're blind to, Jesus said. And I can prove it. I've been in ministry for over 20 years now as a pastor. 20 years as a pastor. I've heard people confess to me things I didn't even know were possible. Like sin that was just, like things I could never even repeat on this stage. Do you know what I've never heard in 20 years? I've never had one person come to my office and say, Pastor, I need you to pray with me. I'm struggling with greed. I've never heard anyone say that. And yet, I think all of you would agree one of the biggest problems with our society is greed. Well, how come I've never heard anyone confess that sin? Here's the reason. As long as you know one person in your life, just takes one, that you know who you consider to be greedier than you, you automatically assume you don't struggle with greed. That's the reason. And, and greed damages us. It, it, greed is the very reason I cannot stand all of the preaching on television about money. Like that whole prosperity gospel on television, give and you'll get, give and you'll get, give and you'll get. The, re, the, the reason I can't stand it is because it works selfishness back into your life. That whole message, the, the, the problem, it doesn't help us become generous. The problem is it works greed back into our life. It actually encourages our greed. Give and you'll get, give and you'll get. I just, I, I can't imagine God sitting in heaven thinking to himself, I'm so glad that my kids are finally getting a revelation of getting. They're becoming such great getters. No, God wants us to be givers. Givers. 
It's all about being a giver. Selfish people, and I think you know this, they're the most miserable people around. Nobody likes to spend time with a selfish person. But generous people, they're the most life-giving, the most fun people to be around. So the first thing we've got to do is we've got to deal with the selfish nature that we're born with. Here's the second thing. We've got to deal with a grieving heart. You have to deal with a grieving heart. And I'm shocked, shocked that God has to use the word grief in regards to our money. I'm shocked. Like, I can understand the word grief when it comes to losing a loved one, losing somebody that you care about deeply. But the fact that God uses the word grief in regards to our... Look at the next verse. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. You shall give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved. Why? Because for this thing, what thing? Giving generously? The thing he's talking about is giving generously. The Lord your God will bless you. When you become generous, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Meaning God will bless your marriage. God will bless your family. God will bless your kids. God will bless your career. God will bless all that you do. When you learn to develop a generous life, God is saying, if I can ever get your heart to change, I'll bless everything that you do. You know, it's amazing to me how many... Christians, people who believe in God, can have faith. They, they can trust in God for the eternity of their soul. I, I want you to think about the weight of this. You can trust in God for millions and millions of years of your soul in heaven or hell. Have that level of faith, yet struggle trusting God with biblical finances here on earth. You ever thought about it that way? Like, like, I can trust God with something so important as my soul for all of eternity, yet I wrestle with him over biblical finances here on earth. And, and, and let me expose Satan for a minute. One of my jobs as a pastor is to show you how Satan works. You know, Paul says, do not be unaware of his schemes, and so I want to make you aware. Here's how Satan works. Selfishness attacks us before we give. Selfishness tells you you can't afford to do that. You can't give. You can't be generous. Grief attacks us after we give. How many of you have ever made a commitment, given something, done something significant, and then as soon as you've done it, something breaks down? The water heater breaks down, the car breaks down, something bad happens, and then all of a sudden you've got the grief of, oh, I can't believe we just did that. <laughs> you know, I just had this, this thought that just came to my head. I'm going to lunch after service, and I don't have any money on me at all. I don't know. What's that? What are you doing, Walter? <laughs> Thank you. Look at that. Wow, Walter. That was nice of you. $100 and some change. That was great. I'm going to start saying my, my, my thoughts more often. I don't know. Thank you, Walter. Let's move on. Do you know why Walter just gave me $100? I'll tell you why, because right before church began, I gave him $100, and I told him to give it to me. That's why. And, and so, Walter, are you experiencing any grief right now? Like, are you, like, struggling emotionally, like, need therapy because you just gave me $100? No, he, he doesn't have any grief at all. Do you know why he's not struggling with grief right now? Because it wasn't his money. It wasn't his money. 
Do you know why we, we struggle with grief when we give? Because we thought it was ours. We thought it was ours. And yet David says the earth is the Lord's. And everything in it, it was always his. It was all God's. So we got to deal with the grieving heart. Deal with it. Deal with the selfish heart. Deal with the grieving heart. Now let's play some offense. That was the defense. Now let's move to offense. Here's number three. Develop a generous heart. We got to work on developing a generous heart. Look at the very next verse, verse 14. You shall supply him generously from your flock, generously from your threshing floor and from your wine press. And look at this. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Again, it's all from God. Give out of what God has blessed you with. See, we are born in this world selfish. We are born getters. We are born again in Christ givers. It's the process of, of letting God renew our minds so that we can become generous. What's the hardest word to teach a child? Share. <laughs> Share. You know, my son used to have friends come over, and, 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 and he'd, be, he'd be playing with a toy, and one of his friends would pick up one of his toys he wasn't playing with, and what would my son do? That's mine. I was playing with that. That's mine. I was playing with that. No, no, no. Share. Share. I mean, it's the hardest thing to teach a child, and yet I think God is sitting in heaven, and he's looking at 40 and 50 and 60-year-old full-grown children, and God is saying, Share. You know, we read Luke 6, 37 and 38. Let me show you the verses that precede those verses so you can get the drift of what Jesus is trying to say. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them. Who? Your enemies. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. It sounds like Jesus is trying to get, teach us how to give with the right heart. He's trying to teach us a little bit about generosity. God is saying, look, I'm generous, and you are my children. You are my kids. Why aren't you acting like me? Why do I have to keep saying, share? And here's what will happen. Jesus says, then, then, when you learn to live generously, when you learn you know, to give of yourself, then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will be acting as children of the Most High. We are to be like God. Act like Him. Reflect Him. And then he goes on to say, For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Do you know who the unthankful and wicked are? It's us. We were the un Let me remind you, we were the unthankful and the wicked. And yet God gave to us before we became thankful. Romans says it like this, while we were still sinners, while we were still selfish, while we were unthankful, while we were wicked, Christ 
died for He didn't say, wait a second, you need to become thankful and then I'll do it. He did it while we were a mess. He didn't wait for us to change. He did it while we were a mess. And that's what he wants us to learn to do. And it's not easy to teach, teach people how to give. It's not easy to teach my, my son how to give. Like the other day, we were going to clean out some of his toys because he just has way too many toys. And we were going to take him down to our orphanage in Mexico. And so I told him, I said, go into your room and, and, and get a bunch of toys that we can bring down to the children. And he came back with a box of all of his broken toys that he doesn't like playing with anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. That is not, you missed the concept here. You're giving your best. You're either going to take your allowance and buy something new or you're going to give the best. But we're not giving leftovers to people. Like, you don't want them. Nobody else wants them. Like, let's give our best. It, it, it's a concept we've got to lear- learn. You know, as a pastor, I hear people often say to me, I want to learn to hear God's voice. I want to hear God speak to me. Like, I want to learn to to hear his voice, and I want to know when God speaks to me. You know what the easiest way to learn how to hear God's voice is? Ask the right question. And let me give you the right question. Lord, what should I give? I'm telling you, you ask that question, he loves to answer it. There's nothing he likes answering more than that question. Why? Because he's generous. And he wants you to be like him. And so when you go to God and you say, God, what should I give? He'll answer you every time. And and it'll scare you sometimes, but he will answer you every time. And you'll learn to hear and sense his voice. Let me give you the last one. And, And number four is the key to number three. You get number four and number three automatically happens. You become generous. Here's number four, develop a grateful heart. When you learn to develop a grateful heart, you will develop a generous heart. Look at the next verse in Deuteronomy. You shall remember. Remember. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing. What thing? To be generous. To give to those who are in need. God says, I'm commanding you this thing today. Why? On the basis that you were once a slave. On the basis that I redeemed you, on the basis, there was a time in your life you had nothing. When you were in Egypt, you had no possessions. You had no wealth. You were abused. You were in slavery. And I redeemed you. And I gave you the promised land. And I blessed you. And so on the basis of what I've done for you, I'm commanding you to be generous. Because you need to remember that everything you have is because of me. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I started reflecting on my life. And if I could be very honest and transparent with you today, I don't struggle with giving at all. I I just, I don't. Like, And I know there's people in our church that wrestle with this, that wrestle with tithing, that wrestle with giving. Like, I don't. Like, the first 10% of everything I earn, it's God's. I don't even consider it mine. I've never thought about touching it or using it. Because it's it's His. And it's just the way it is. And and giving above that, I've always, I've just been generous. I wouldn't say always, but as a Christian, I've just been generous. And I don't struggle with it. From giving, you know, my savings away a couple times to giving a car away to giving a motorcycle away to giving, you know, just doing these things. Like, 
it's never been a struggle for me. And I, and I really wanted to search my heart this week and figure out why. Like, why is it easy for me? Why do other people struggle with generosity? And why is it so easy for me? And what God revealed to me, the reason why it's not hard for me to tithe, the reason why it's not hard for me to give above my tithe, to be generous, is because I've never gotten over getting saved. That's the truth. I've never gotten over it. I've never gotten over what Christ has done in my life. I remember what my life was like before Christ. And I remind myself often of where I would be without him. The honest truth, if it wasn't for Christ, I'd be living some desert, some broken down trailer working at a truck stop. After losing my wife and losing my son, I'd be, I'd, my life would be a disaster. And so I've never forgotten what he's done for me. I've never forgotten what he, so it, it's, it's not hard for me. I'm so grateful for what he's done that it's easy to be generous. Here's the thing, when you're grateful, it's easy to be generous because you know where the source is. The very word grateful means somebody gave it to you. So grateful produces generosity because you know it was never yours, it was given to you. And you know the person that gave it to you can give it to you again. And so it's easy to let go. It's easy for me to let go of things. I mean, you talk to my wife. Every time I've come home with this outrageous, you know, gift in my heart that I wanted to do, she's never one time tried to stop me. She's never one time tried to talk me out of it. Even when it was scary for our family. And the reason is she remembers who I used to be before Christ really got a hold of me. And she likes who I am now a lot better than what I was. And she's grateful. See, gratefulness makes it easy to be generous. I just, I've never gotten over getting saved. And honestly, some of you need to remind yourself every once in a while that you used to be a slave. You need to remind yourself that there was a point in your life where if you would have died in that condition, you would have, you would have been in hell forever. You need to remind yourself of that every once in a while. Remind yourself what he's done and what this means. And it'll change your heart. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? Before we leave today, I don't, I don't want to leave without giving you an opportunity to give the greatest gift you could ever give to God. And let me make this clear. This has nothing, nothing to do with your money, your possessions, none of that. The greatest gift you can give to God is your life. The greatest gift you can give your God is your life. And so I want to ask if there's anyone here this morning who's never given their life to God. I would love to lead you in a simple prayer of giving your life to God. Or if there's people here today where you need to give your life back to God. Meaning that there was a point where you felt like you gave your life to God, but if you were honest, you're not there anymore. And it could be a number of reasons. Maybe you went through a tragedy and, 
You just kind of walked away from God. Maybe you got hurt in church and walked away from God. Maybe you fell into a sin or addiction and it pulled you away from God. Maybe it was just life. Maybe you just got caught up in your job and money and family and, and everything else that you just got so busy and it, you just you drifted away from God. I want to ask that you come back to God today and I would love to lead you in a prayer of giving your life back to Him this morning. So if you're here today and you'd like to give your life to God for the very first time or you need to give your life back to God today, I'd like to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. You don't have to walk down to the front. And you don't have to pray this out loud. Here's the thing. God will listen to your heart today. This is a prayer from your heart. And God will listen to your heart today. So if you're here and you'd like to join me in that prayer. With every eye closed for a moment. Just so that I know who's, who's going to join me today. Would you very quickly just slip up your hand. And then you can put it back down. So that I know who's praying with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate those hands. Thank you, I see that, thank you. You can put them back down. Thank you. Here's the prayer. In your heart, I would like you to pray this to God. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. Jesus, I admit that I'm lost and a sinner without you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for accepting me. And thank you that you will never hold my past against me. In Jesus' name, amen.